Welcome to Salty Conversations, podcasts of Saltbush uniting the scattered community. Our guest today is the Reverend Phil Matthews, Bush Chaplain for the Barwon Remote Area with Frontier Services. You can learn more about the work of the Bush Chaplains, the Outback Links Volunteer Program, and Frontier Services generally at their website, frontierservices.org. I'm Jeff Wellington, one of the Saltbush Community Ministers. Hello, Phil. Yep. Um, Phil Matthews is here with us today. So, uh, really great to chat with you today, Phil. And uh, just wondered to you too. Yeah. So, tell us a bit about uh, yourself, Phil. If you, um, how did you end up getting to uh, do a role like uh, being uh, Bush chaplain? Yeah, well, I, I started off as a rural chaplain seven years ago, which was similar job, but that was working for the presbytery. Uh, and, well, no, for RMU, Rural Ministry Unit, which was a, a group that we had back then. Um, but the journey started before that. I, um, I, I, I came to these kind of roles in a way as a, as a, as a, first as a, just as a, a partner in mission, a PIM, I was partner in mission, and um, and that was on the streets of Campbelltown, Rose Meadow, and Eds and places like that. I came up from from um, from Young, where my wife and I had lived with our two children, and we owned a soft drink factory. And due to a, an industrial accident I had, and um, the heavy lifting became um, not possible. So I um, came from that and was very much called. My Smith spoke at a uh, an annual youth conference down in the National Park in Sydney, somewhere, one of those conference centres that we used to own. And um, when I came away from there with a clear a clear voice saying I was going to the southwestern suburbs of, New South, of, of Sydney. And um, this position came up uh, as a youth worker, not in a church, but because the church couldn't afford to pay youth workers in them days and they couldn't afford to live on their money. <laughs> Having two kids and a mortgage. So we, um, we applied for this job and it was Rose Meadow, it was just on the outskirts of Rose Meadow. And, and so, I reconnected with Maz and then with her husband Neil. And um, yeah, from there, we, I was part of the um, project to grow what they became Parish on the Way, which is made up of Rose Meadow Church, where Neil and Maz were and have been there for many years. And um, Claymore, which is a house church we started. All of these churches were house based churches. Um, and um, and so it involved a lot of community work. But I also worked for the community. I also was tent making ministry for me. I worked as a youth worker in the area and um, in a youth centre. And so, you know, five or six days a week I was the youth worker and then I was the, the, the church guy down at the um, at Cecilia's house who was our, uh, our host that we, we had. We did have a double-decker bus but it scared a lot of people, so we, we ended up not having to double take a bus. Plus, Rego got got very high, and um, 
uh, yeah, it was very hard to get money for registration out of the church. I couldn't understand why we needed to register our church every year. Yeah. yeah. But it was a good, it was an interesting, it was an interesting time. It was, it was a time where I, I learned to work on the edges and what about people I liked on the edges. Um, I mean, I wasn't your typical middle class church goer. I, I was um, very much a bit of a rebel. I was on the, on the edge. I was a truck driver. Um, and um, I was illiterate until I was about 39, nearly 40. And um, so studying to become uh, uh, even just a, um, a, a lay preacher, I failed. <laughs> I was drummed out of the class because I failed, but I still kept preaching. Um, and my church that I was involved in was called an experimental church. Mind you, we had been going for probably 15 years when I, you know, probably five or 10 years with, with Neil and Mother, I forget how long they've been, but I, I did it for at least two, three terms of funding, which would have been six to nine years. And, um, and I actually couldn't understand why they kept calling it an experiment because we were already doing things. We were connecting with families. We connected with schools. I worked in the Eds High School as a youth worker. And um, because we had a bus, we used to go on camps. Uh, well, I used to go on camps with the, with the students and the teachers. And then we got a great principal came along and he actually invited me along to their school conferences, which was for staff. And, and they, they used to take their P&C along too who were made up of people from the community. And I was allotted to sit with the with those because he wanted me to help them understand what they were doing as a school and stuff like that. So it became a real community-based Christian outreach type of thing, you know. And um, he, all the principals, I think I went, I think it was about four or five principals went through the school in my time there. And they all, you know, it was always, you know, you're not allowed to preach in the school. But if someone asks you a question, it's bad manners not to answer it. And <laughs> so what, Phil, what, what, did, what did you learn about faith and life and, um, you know, working on the edge like that? What, what did you learn about um, the Christian faith in that space? It, it, I learned that faith... Isn't, doesn't come with a three-hymn sandwich, not even a four-hymn sandwich. It comes in different ways and, and, and portions. Some people that I was meeting had a strong faith but was based on, on all sorts of different values and sets, and, but their belief in God was real, you know, but he was the father, and Jesus was his son. But it was in a in that real father-son context, and you know it was a, about the the son is the one that goes out and was doing all the work, and he was there with us, and don't, you know, and so he was seen as a you know we we saw him as a real person, and and I'd say you know, but he's already here with us in spirit. 
we kind of talked about respecting them as, as really as part of our, our lives, that they were, you know, that calling on God and calling on Jesus was a real thing to do that we could do. And he would, you know, and the help would be there. And so it was this this whole belief that they were real people. It wasn't just um, we belong to this religion that believes in a person called God. Way it was God was in the community with us. Because when you're living in 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 the poverty they lived in, it, it's it's very difficult to understand why if God loves the poor, why aren't we get, why aren't we doing real well? You know? yeah. and, and so explaining that kind of stuff was was a constant so that kind of kept teaching me that that what we say in in a mainstream church washes over these people or puts these people down and a lot of it puts these people down and um, so we have to when we're out there we have to we have to talk in a way that God loves you, even though this is bad. Think about who's worse off than you, but also remember that He is helping you. You're not, you know, there are others who are doing it hard, and we have to care about them. And that was that was at times hard because it is hard when you know when you don't get enough money to eat and drink and all that type of stuff. And they make wrong decisions. But, you know, should I tell them to go away because they make wrong decisions or should, should I be involved with them? And, and it was learning to be involved and walk on those journeys to call. It was, there was never a put down. We knew this was going to happen. And um, it was a very earthy sort of ministry, wasn't it? Like, yeah, very earthy. Very, um... Yeah, much part and, and, of the, the struggle of everyday life, and yeah, and and so that period of time within the schools for the students and for the teachers, it was a it, it was similar stuff for the teachers. It was supportive. Some of them were Christian, um, and in fact, a lot of them were Christian, and and it was. But a lot of them couldn't understand why these kids didn't appreciate what they did for them. Yeah. Um, so, so that um, that was uh, certainly uh, a very interesting grounding in in coming into ministry, and of course, um, you did a number of other things. But you, you're now um, doing the bush chaplaincy sort of role in up in the far north of uh, New South Wales. So tell mm -hmm. us a little bit about um, about the Bowen Area Patrol. Well, in in lots of ways, it's it's Claymore on steroids. It's just so big, hundred and eighty-seven square uh, thousand square kilometers of of, of of area that I cover. Um, <clears throat> That'll be about the size of Tasmania, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah, <laughs> I'd say so. I don't want to think about it like that, but yeah, probably, except I can't find the water. <laughs> um, so it, it's it's um, a great area. It's, um, it's finally green. Um, I've been here seven years, and most of that seven years, it's gone from a little bit of green 
going into a drought and then now it's, it's coming out of drought. So uh, I've been with them through this journey of, of extreme uh, weather that they've had here. Um, it's an area where I, I kind of joke, when you do bush chaplain work, it, it, well, I don't joke, it's serious, and people think I'm joking. When you go to a meeting, like go to Saltbush, and you tell people to go around the room, and you know, you have somebody representing Wagga, and we've got we've got this church, and we've got a we've got a, a, a creche, and we've got a children's room, and we've got this. And that. I've got a car. That is it. That is the only place I have control. And sometimes on a wet road in a muddy day, I don't have much control. Um, so, you know, but that's something, you've, again, that's what you've got to, that, my, tr my training on, on the streets of Campbelltown mirror into this ministry or, or strengthen this ministry because all of a sudden, you know, having done eight years of real ministry in a church on the coast, um, I suddenly am faced with, I don't have any furniture. I don't have a pulpit, and I I go again into people's places, into people's homes. So you have that moment. It's it, it's you talk to them, and then you go, and you come back in three months' time and talk to them again. So it's very intense ministry, but but again in ways of like Jesus, like Flynn, um, it's meeting their needs at that time and leaving the presence of God with them. You're very much, you're very much uh, a guest in that space, aren't you? And yes, uh, very much, Jeff. You, looking you, to be the, uh, just the, the listening ear and open to wherever the conversation might take you. Yeah, you... you you certainly do not have any control to, to in most of the, most of the things. It, you know, like if you say something wrong, you can be asked to leave and not come back. But you don't. You don't. You know, I don't compromise what I'm going. To, what I my belief. But you know, I I listen and I work and I I work into that what it's all about why i'm here what I'm, what are we doing and it, it's not all about promotional stuff it's, it's not all about welfare stuff it's about this wholeness of care for the people and um you know and and they they get it you know and we did a healing service which is one of the only services i've really done um and it was down at the tennis club at um, Hermadale, and it was probably two or three years after I'd been coming along and visiting these people. But we went through a period back in 2016 when we thought the drought was over, and we'd gone through a whole load of time where there was a suicide of a major leader. She had left the district, but suicide when she got to her new place uh, but we're still connected to us and very much connected to the community 
And that rocked the community. She was a leader. She was one of their, you know, she was the one that was, make the sandwiches, come on, let's get going, da 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 had it all organized, was together. And, um, but also in that time, uh, the CWA went through a period of a lot of their members who were old, older people, passed. And so even though they were gentle passing, it also still brought this, this sense of loss. Yeah, the grief of the um, brought to the surface by, by another event that... Um, yeah. And for somebody who, who the rest of the community looked up to and um, yeah. saw them as somebody who might give them direction and leadership. Celebrating the life of those we'd lost, but also bringing about wellness, not concentrating on, on the doom of it all, but on the, on the life on the other side of everything for us all. And, um, and so we did that and I prayed and I was told afterwards, which was really crazy, that my voice came across as this very deep, smooth, caring, and you can hear me now, I've got this squeaky little voice, you know, but this this woman was overcome by the prayer. It was a very godly prayer to her. And it, it was, um, it came across and moved her so much. And a couple of other people said the same thing. And, um, and, and so that made a, a significant difference, but also the fact that I was this person that they really, got to know as, as Reverend Phil. And that's the other thing. They all call me Reverend Phil. You know, like, um, you don't go many places where people call you Reverend Phil. Uh, but uh, in these areas, everyone calls me Reverend Phil. Reverend Phil, can you come here? Reverend Phil, can you do this? And, what's that about, Phil? Tell, okay. what, what's that about? What do you think that's about? Um... It, it, it's respect. It's, re, it's naming the position but making it part of, of the actual community. Yeah. Even though I don't have the church, I don't have, you know, the worship services, but I am still there, Reverend Phil. And, um, yeah, that, that's, and it is, it, I, I think it's, I, it took me a while to work it out, but I think it is, it, it's definitely a, a, a respectful thing. Um, so it's it, about it's tapping into the um, into the sacred somehow. Like, is it yeah. recognizing that somehow this person um, brings brings a sacred word and a sacred presence? Yeah, yeah, and that's it. And I think you're right there because, like, the principles of the school will. Speak a little bit more in that way when you know when they say, Oh, and this is Reverend Phil, he comes around and he helps us and he does this, and he does that. He doesn't do scripture in our school, but he plays with our kids and it shows them that the outside world cares about them and God cares about them and blah 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 blah. And um, and so it's it's that kind of um Aussie reverence in one respect. But reverence in, in a strong respect. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, 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 it's yeah. It, it, it's a badge I wear with pride and on honour because you know, um, the, and they, and they're not they're not ashamed to introduce me to people, and that's how they introduce me. You know, like I, I got 
picked up on the side of the road by a farmer I'd been working with, and he said, oh, come and have lunch. And I, and I thought it was just with him and his kids and his wife. But it was his whole family. It was his wife's birthday. And he goes, oh, this is Reverend Phil. He's been helping us through the drought. Da -da 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 -da. You know, and, and people are all going, so are you really a reverend? And I'm like, yeah, I'm a bush chaplain. And I explained what I do. And uh, I kind of went, oh. And, you know, it was, it was kind of like, I didn't realise you guys existed. And I said, oh, yeah, I've been here for about seven years. <laughs> so, so Phil, um, that uh, Ministry of Presence and being able to get alongside of people continues to be a really strong part of your ministry wherever you are and um, this um, bush chaplaincy role continues to to work in that sort of way. Phil, I wonder whether you can talk to us a little bit about um, how people in, in that ministry context that you've been talking about um, understand faith and living in the land and their spirituality and how they give expression to that. But, but there's, a, there's a strong sense in, in, in the that there is, there is a God um, and this God works with them. Um, and the land is, to them, the land is, is, is what sustains them and how the land is is how they are. And, and so they, they feel that they need to do their best and they, you know, and they try to do that, and and most of them respect um, how how to care and, and and look after the land, and they give thanks when it goes well. I mean, they 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 are their generosity to those in need around them is is still quite quite strong. Um, if someone we had someone get sick and and the support that came from all these neighbors for that person is, is, is very strong so the community community sense of support is strong um, they see God as a part of that but much anti-mining in lots of places and anti-fracking um, because the water is the most precious thing we have uh, and they get very upset about anybody who messes with the water down below their land um, and, and so yeah there's this strong sense of yeah that they, they sometimes feel the the, country, the 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 city folk don't understand what it's like completely to be there, and that if you come from the city, you're coming to to spy on them and and say that their animals aren't looked after, and yet they are. You know. So that's a huge challenge for the church, isn't it, to speak into that um, that space about um, this God that dwells in the land and how. Um, the sacredness of the land and its capacity to sustain life and community and animals and, and all that's there 
um, how we speak of God in that space is a huge challenge for, for the church, I think. Yeah. We haven't been good necessarily as a church um, talking yeah. in that, that sort of space. And I think the fact, Jeff, that most of the churches are closed yeah. or only meet that, that, that to them kind of shows a lack of wanting to stay there with them. And I mean, I know most of it's it, it's to do with finances and stuff like that. But I think that's where they get surprised when folk like me turn up at their doorstep, mm. and we come and we, we, you know, with this job we we bring along people like the NRM8 and all these other people who care and, and want to do something for them. It kind of humbles them, you know, like. There's an old adage that go up the road, the bloke up the road's worse off than me. We, we often hear this, and you know, like in, in welfare, you know, this is one of the things they'll say to you. And it's true. It, it is, I have heard that so many times in this ministry that a oh, bloke up the road needs this more than me, you know. And, and I say, well, no, I've been up the road, I've come back down. Uh, and I believe you, you want, you know, I'm here to talk to you. And um, it's not about needing it, it's about just me being here. Yeah. And when they get that, they start to understand that, that they are seen as being important. It's not about them being in great need, it's about them being, being, being special. You know, I see you as being special. I see you as, as being someone who, who who deserves someone to come and have a yarn to them. And, um, and other people. Are, and hmm? the fact that they are uh, loved children of God. In, in yeah, that sense, isn't it? and that's right. And I mean, this is how my ministry when I was with the children, I had a going back, well, flashback a bit to when I was working with the kids in the youth group in, in Campbelltown. I had a girl come along from the school, came along and she was part of a mainstream church. And, and after a couple of weeks or so of being with us, um, she sort of looked at me and she said, Phil, so when are you going to tell them God loves them? And I said, I do every week. I come and pick them up and I bring them out and we do this. Mm, she said and walked away. When she was in year 12, she came to me at, at, at the farewell, and this is fair income. She came to me at the farewell and she goes, remember when you tell me that you do this and you, it's showing us that God loves us? And I said, yeah. She said, I get it. I get it. Yeah, there's, something about that, there's something about that very practical thing of being alongside of people and showing yeah. them in, in actions uh, as well as words, but in actions uh, that speak much more strongly than words sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I, think too, I think too, Phil, that um, what people have experienced as the church in the past hasn't always necessarily been that helpful either. Mm. Um, and that, um, you know, the, the ministry that comes alongside of people in the way in which you've been describing it um, perhaps points us to some future uh, sense of how we might be the church and how we might form Christian community in that space. I wonder what you you think about that. 
Yeah. I, I mean, I, I believe that, that the church of the future needs to go back to the past type of thing, where, like Jesus, we, 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 we're out there talking to people. It, it, it's good to have a, have a base where you can come back to. And, and I mean, metropolitan versus city, um, you know, uh, it's, you can still do the same kind of situation in, in the city. It's great having, having a structure or a place, but it needs to be functional. If you're going to have a, a building, that building needs to be able to run a kitchen if that's what needed. Needed to provide care, respite care for people with with disabilities, with mental, whatever it is, whatever the need is. We need to seek that out within our communities and learn how to minister. To, what's the best way for us to minister to this? Use our change our building around so it becomes a resource rather than a noose around our neck that we have to keep paying maintenance on. We make it, it part of the tool that we work for. My car is a tool that is my church that works with me and it takes me where I need to go. Our churches at the moment are parking lots where we go and park our butts and stay. We need to turn our churches into a, a tool that empowers us through what's been spoken at whatever day of the week you want that to happen, but sends us out. And we, even if it's if it's if we stay with the Zoom through our conversations at home within our community, it's our feed. The, the, the church feeds us and gives us uh, inspiration to go and do what we we need to do in our community. It's we, we special of, like um, a bit of a shift in. Uh, perspective isn't it from expecting people to come to the church and what the church has to say uh, and offer uh, to shifting our our thinking and our way of operating um, to actually going and being alongside and listening and responding in that space yeah. with that conversation then yeah we we keep we keep talking about that we 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 can't be a um what are they called? We're not an attracting. We're not. We're, 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 it's not about attracting people to come in. And it's. It's. I mean, I love what they've got up here about what is a bush chaplain. We go where the people are. We don't expect them to come to us. Yeah. You know, there's a whole different scenario in the fact that you know. You know, if we only had children, we could grow. If we only had young people, we could grow. Why aren't people coming here? Because we don't want them. We want them. We want these. And when the when they come, we don't want them because they make a noise. We don't want them because they smell funny. We don't want them because they're this. For me, it's going to where the people are in our suburbs, in our region, whatever it is, we, wherever we're coming out of, and getting alongside of those people. Not with a with a not with a sense of okay now you can come back and be with be with us. You know we've got this course we've got to sign you up to to come back and do this, but we'll keep coming back and and, and having a yarn and teaching you and showing you that God loves you, not judging and putting people down, not putting you know this this whole 
you've got to come to us. And I think once we start doing, Jeff, once we start being and doing and believing in what we're doing and, and we're seen to be doing what we believe, people will believe too. It reminds me a lot of um, Jesus' ministry and the disciples wandering around Galilee, yeah. isn't it? And, yeah. Um, you know, and it, 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 it's very much like that. I mean, it, it sounds like a cliche. And, you know, like, and I, for the last 20 years, I've thought, you know, but it's true. It's, and, you know, like it virtually is that whole taking on that discipleship role in a serious way and you have an area that you go to it doesn't have to be 185 square kilometers please don't do that it's madness uh, but you know if you like driving yeah it's great um, but you know like it, it, it is about going there with love and, and being happy and being gracious to the people and accepting what hospitality you get you know I, I learned a long time ago, don't have milk, have black tea, because a lot of places you go to, the milk could be off. So you're better off with black tea. But have a black tea. And by having a cup of tea, and normally I take some biscuits or some cake with me, um, you know, like, and you leave that behind. But you, it's that breaking of bread together and sharing the tea and, you know, it. it it's a real sense of building community through action and through, um, yeah, driving around in the youth with them, you know. Nothing, especially for me, nothing a farmer loves better than taking your own shining his property. That's right. And I always tell the joke, I only open three gates and then they go, I'll get them. And <laughs> I just go, oh, so you don't want to watch the fat minister roll out of the car and get to the gate. And that breaks the ice because he sees... I've got this sense of humour and I don't see myself as somebody great and important. And, you know, once he starts to laugh, he starts to talk. Yeah. And then they get to know what's going on. So, Phil, as part of um, the Bow and Remote Area Patrol and as um, Bush Chaplain, you're working with Frontier Services. So tell us a little bit about Frontier Services. I mean, you're, you're not the only one who does this sort of ministry across Australia. So what's, what's happening with there? Well, Frontier Services, we're growing, or actually growing um, over the last two or three years. Um, we, we've gone up to about 15 or 16 bush chaplains across the, across the country. We now have, we have one in Tasmania, one in Victoria, one here in New South Wales, and then we have um, First Nations people working in Queensland, I think, and one in West Australia, um, and we have a guy down in South Australia. Uh, yeah, and Queensland's got a fair few. But yeah, we, we I forget where they all are, I haven't got my map here, but it's it's a great organization to be part of. They, they're, they're really um, looking at, at, at supporting their, their um, Part of that project that they do, there's, there's us as the, as the bush chaplains, then they have what they call Outback Links, which is where they, they get older, well, volunteers to come out, not all of them are older, volunteers to come out and they, they go and do do some time on a property, you know, have a working holiday, go and live on a property for a while and help, help farms out. 
Uh, What's that program called, Phil? It's called Outback Links. Yeah. And um, it's 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 very it, it's good because it's strongly vetted uh, both ways, the farmer and the and and the volunteers. And um, but it builds a unique uh, connection between um, lonely farmers and, and these and these wonderful people that come out and they, you know, they might stay for two weeks. Some of them stay a bit longer sometimes, um, but they always seem to come back. We get stories of, of as they pass through, they'll call in and say good day and spend another couple of days with people. So again, relationships have been building. Not all of them are Christian, but a lot of them have church connections all over the, the country. And they, you know, they know they're traveling through here for a while through New South Wales, so they'll they'll ring up the office and they'll connect them with some farmers that are in need. So that's a really great project. It's the other arm of what we do now. Um, but uh, we also have what we call our, 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 um, our partners. Um, one is, is um, NRMA Mechanics. They come out. And for a week, we go out on a property on properties, probably about four or five, and we have a team of about six to eight mechanics, and they fix anything from you know, uh, whippersnippers to those big big headers. Yeah. It's match fun, and a lot of them have never been in the bush before. We've now got a team that have been coming. A few of them have turned up the last three times we've done it. They actually volunteer. They have to draw lots because it's so popular. And the other group we, that I've worked with is um, Qantas Cabin Crew. They're, they're, they're not sponsored by Qantas. They, they work for Qantas. They raise their own money and they, they come down, um, a lot of them live in Queensland, and they come down and they work with us on different properties, building projects, cleaning projects, and all that sort of stuff. Uh, and again, staying with the farmer, and um, building a great rapport. And, and so that's one of the things that, that is really ongoing and it's, and it's great. COVID stuff has made it a bit harder because of connection, but I ring people now um, and talk to them. They have, and, and lots of them will ring me. I actually had a number of them ring me in hospital to wish me well while I was in hospital, which again shows the relationships are building. Uh, and so, you know, it's it tr truly built on them allowing us in and us coming and meeting their needs where they're at. And, um, yeah, and the office staff um, in, in Parramatta, they moved out of Pitt Street to save some funding on, on buildings and they, they're doing a really great job and they're, they're a great team and, and they're very much committed to the work and um, ethos of what we do. So it's good. Yeah, so that's, that's great, Phil. And if people, um, it gives a chance for people to get involved if they'd really like to and they can find out a lot more information uh, about yeah. that by going to the, the Frontier. To the website. This website. Yeah, and I can hear. Um, I don't have one of my flyers here. Give you the number, but yeah, go to the website, which would be easier. Uh, so it's been great talking to you, Phil, and uh, sharing some of your experiences uh, in ministry. And um, 
yep. having a salty conversation with us all. So thank you so much. Salty Conversations today. Further podcasts are available at the Saltbush Community. Uca. Org. website. Bye.